Welcome to this week's edition of the Property Buyer and Sellers Podcast. I'm your host, Ken Hume, and I'm here to take you through the very latest news and views, hints, tips, and tricks to help you on your property journey. Hello, and welcome to this week's edition of the Property Buyer and Sellers Podcast. And today is Friday, the 24th of March, 2023. And many of you will be aware that yesterday, the Monetary Policy Committee of the Bank of England met and decided that it was right to increase interest rates by one quarter of one point, what we call 0.25 basis points, bringing the rate of the Bank of England to 4.25%. And today we're going to talk about what impact that might have for mortgages and for the housing market. And we'll see what some of the biggest commentators in the UK think of that. We're also going to talk about why the colour of your front door might increase your house price and also an alternative model for the housing market's rental side as per Finland. So thanks very much for tuning in and this an eventful week here in late March for a number of reasons. Springtime is traditionally the most popular time for the housing market. It's the longest season and what I mean by that is As the weather gets warmer, people have painted the hallway. They found themselves a little bit crowded into their existing accommodation. When the sun comes out or it gets a bit warmer, as it has, even though we've got April showers coming up, people tend to come out of their houses and decide to look for a new home. Now, in a market where there's lots of turmoil, such as today with the banking crisis, which we'll come on to and elaborate on why what's going on is going on with the banks in the US and potential contagion. But one of the things that people do at this time of year is think about the next move. Should I move home? Is it a good time to move for me? And of course, whether it's a good time or not for you to move does depend on your circumstances. If you own your property in cash, then it could be as good time as any, depending on where you're moving and why you're moving. If you're cashing out of the market, then you might choose to wait a little bit longer if you feel that house prices are going to rise. I've said I think we're in for a flat year. Uh, That's what it looks like to me. Interest rates have gone up. But let's look at what Right Movers said about the interest rate rise and what it could mean for mortgages, first of all. Here's what it says. The Bank of England has announced an increase of 0.25 to its base rate this month. This is the 11th consecutive rise and has pushed rates to 4.25%. This is the highest they've been for 14 years. The bank keeps raising interest rates to tackle high levels of inflation. The rate of inflation in February climbed unexpectedly to 10.4% this week, up from 10.1% in January, and that's still way above the bank's target of 2%. In recent weeks, there have been other factors for the Bank of England to consider in addition to the current inflation rate. At the end of February, the market expected the bank to increase rates at the next meeting in March as part of their continued priority of combating the high inflation. But earlier this month, the collapse collapse of SVB, Silicon Valley Bank in the US, created uncertainty in the financial markets. And this gave the Bank of England another issue to consider, as it also has a duty to maintain financial stability. And after initial concerns for the banking sector, the market started to consider that a rate rise in March was less likely. And let me expand on that a little. The reason why SVB is relevant to interest rates is this. As the Fed, that is the equivalent of the Bank of England in the United States pushes up their interest rates and they have quite aggressively, the same as here in the UK. What happens is that the banks 
Most of our money in the banks is held on investment. What's the most secure investment? And by the way, just before I continue, I'll quantify this. This is not financial advice. It's intended really for information only. If you do require financial advice, then seek the help of an independent financial advisor. So banks, what do they do? They take our money and they invest it. This is how they make money. Most of the time, they have only a small percentage of the total available. And what can happen is this. They invest their money in the most secure kind of debt. And these are what's known as bonds or gilts. And by the way, bonds and gilts, it's the same thing. So don't get confused between the two. A bond is a gilt. A gilt is a bond. And these are long term. Well, they can be short term. But the ones the banks have tended to invest in are long term treasuries. In other words, they're debt issued generally by governments. And they're one of the most secure forms of debt because governments rarely default on their debt. In fact, it's in the States and the UK, it's fair to say that it's the most secure form of investment because the promise to pay is pretty much given. However, the rates on these bonds vary according to what rates can be achieved on the open market. And when interest rates rise, the ability to save cash within banks at a high rate of interest means that the value of bonds and gilts falls. On top of this, because the banks don't hold that much cash on hand, if there is a run on a bank, as there was with SVB, and what happened there was that one of the venture capital firms advised its members to pull out of Silicon Valley Bank because it felt it was structurally weak. And because Silicon Valley Bank was a tech sector bank, word got around like wildfire. Everybody tried to withdraw their funds and SVB then had to cash these long term gilts and bonds. Now, the long term gilts and bonds are worth exactly what they say on the tin at the end of the term, at the expiry of that bond. The problem is in the short term, their value varies as interest rates go up or down. And generally speaking, when interest rates go up, so the value of the bond drops because cash is more valuable into current rates rather than in a bond the rate is already set on. So that means that if the bank now needs to withdraw cash to give you back your cash, it needs to cash one of those bonds. But its value has been reduced because you need to cash it now and not wait until its maturity date. This means that you can't cash it at full value. This was the problem for Silicon Valley Bank, and it's a a real worry for the banking sector as a whole. What it's led to is the US Treasury to underwrite the bonds and gilts. So what that means is that they're saying that they will guarantee the value of those bonds on behalf of banks. And that means that those monies are now secure. This is a very expensive thing. And the Fed say it's temporary for one year. But the idea is to get the security back into banks and to calm the markets. The problem for banks is that there is contagion. In other words, when one bank fouls, it tends to, like a spider's web, have lots of connections with other banks in terms of collateralized debt, maybe loans, and also has to perhaps dump some stock onto the market. And in dumping that stock onto the market, so the value of that stock goes down, other banks hold the same stocks because they all hold similar stocks. And you can see the pattern. So this is the problem. Um, This has led the Fed to consider whether it should still be increasing rates and indeed the Bank of England, because they know that systemically it can be tricky. So that's why they've done what they've done. But the net result is that we've ended up with this 0.25 percent rise today here in the UK. And the response has been that Credit Suisse, um, they actually had huge struggles again as SVB 
And the Bank of England moved quickly to reassure the UK markets and said the UK banking system is well capitalized, funded, remains safe. However, on Tuesday, the 22nd of March, the UK inflation report was published showing this huge jump in inflation. How might the interest rate impact mortgage rates? Sorry, how may today's interest rate impact actual mortgage rates? Because, of course, the base rate of the Bank of England is not the same as your loan rate. That is based on what we call swap rates. Uh, Changes to the Bank of England's rate matter because it can impact how much interest you'll pay on loans, including mortgages. If you're on a fixed rate deal, your monthly payments won't change. However, if you're on a variable rate tracker or mortgage, your payments will almost certainly go up. Earlier in the year, the markets were predicting the base rate might need to rise to around 4.5% in the summer before starting to fall. And earlier this month, we'd seen mortgage rates start to level out after falling from the highs they reached in the mini budget. Over the last few weeks, says Matt, the lenders have largely kept mortgage rates flat while they awaited the outcome of three key events, the spring budget, the UK inflation report and today's base rate decision. This means that mortgage rates already factor in a rate rise in March, so we won't necessarily see mortgage rates increase following today's decision. And when he talks about mortgage rates there, what he's saying is the rates, the fixed rates themselves rather than the variable rates, because, of course, the variable rates and tracker rates will change in line with the Bank of England because they're pegged to it. The fact that the rate rise is lower than the previous rise, along with the longer term indication that inflation is likely to fall sharply, should now give lenders more confidence to start to edge down their rates. Lenders will wait to see how markets respond to the bank's rate rise before they reprice their deals. So what are mortgage rates looking like right now? Well, based on today's decision, the outlook for a five year fixed mortgage is likely to be priced lower than their two year equivalent products. What this means is that the banks are anticipating that in the long term rates will fall. And that's why the swap rates for the five years are lower than the two years. So that's it on base rates and base rates. And now in terms of what it means for the UK market as a whole, because in the end, the real question is, how might this impact on the rate of house prices? And what impact could it have? And here we have the views of some of the leading commentators in the UK as to what impact it might have. Tom Bill, head of UK research at Knight Frank, and they usually have high quality research at Knight Frank, says there's been upwards, downwards and sideways pressure on mortgage rates in recent weeks as lenders digest a spike in inflation, a slump in sales volumes and a larger dose of caution in swap markets following the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank. The good news is that any movements in borrowing costs paling into insignificance compared to the period following the mini budget and the overall picture is one of stability. Today's decision is unlikely to dampen demand in the housing market, which has proved more solid than expected so far this year against an improving economic backdrop. We expect prices will fall by a few percent in 2023 as more homeowners transfer to higher fixed rate deals and supply rises from the lows of the pandemic. Nick Leeming, that's the chairman of Jackson Stops, sees it this way. Hot off the heels from a surprise rise in inflation for February, the latest decisive action in a marathon of measures by the Bank of England to bring down inflation by the end of the year should have a long term effect of calming the markets. This could, however, be a fly in the ointment for housing as mortgage borrowers watch intently to understand the effect this may have on current deals. In the medium term, as with an ever-evolving economic picture, if inflation is successfully scaled back, the overall lending market may paint a more favourable picture for borrowers with further stability on the horizon. Home ownership continues to sit at the top table for savers looking to beat inflation and make their money work harder for them. 
No cash savings rates currently available can beat inflation. By comparison, from January 22 to January 23, the average UK house price rose by £17,000, showing just, showing just how reliable longer-term capital growth in our bricks and mortar can be. Even the average mortgage payment being 733, homeowners could have made a profit of £8,156. Well, our view is somewhere between the two. We think we've already seen a fall off in prices of roughly 5%. What we're seeing here on the ground in our agency is there's a lot of supply of flats coming up. So we expect flats to suffer more than houses. But as far as houses are concerned, many people are choosing not to move. That's keeping supply low and prices high. And we suspect that the market will be far more resilient as post-pandemic than most people expect. We've seen a fall off in affordability of new borrowers because of these rate rises of around 20%. That doesn't mean that prices fall by 20%. Why? Well, because it's about supply and demand. Sellers are just as likely to put a hold on their sale as buyers are, and therefore the level of available property, because we have such a limited supply in the UK, and particularly here in London, is the key. And what we're finding is many families have decided to sit on their hands and do nothing. That's one thing we Brits are good at when we're not sure, that is just to hold instead of actually doing something uh, such as sell our house. So that will restrict the availability, particularly of family houses and freehold houses in our area, and that in turn will underpin their stability. Other news, the Daily Telegraph says buy-to-let landlords are turning to cash as rates rise and a record proportion of buy-to-let landlords are buying in cash to avoid high mortgage rates. Six out of 10 investors, that's 61%, who bought properties in the South this year paid cash up from a low of 47% in 2022, according to Hamptons. This is the highest since levels began in 2009. London, has experienced the biggest rise in cash buy-to-let investors with a 23% increase in the past year. Two-thirds, 67% of landlords in the capital are paying in cash this year, up from 43% in 2022. The switch to buying in cash is expected to save landlords £62 million in mortgage interest payments this year alone, the estate agent said. Anisha Beveridge of Hampton said, while existing investors are paying down debt, New investors, particularly those wanting to buy in the lowest yielding parts of the country, are choosing cash to ensure the sums stack up. Now, front door colours. What colour should you paint your front door? This is one of those articles that's written by a door window and door retailer called Safe Style. I think may need to get their, their name into the news. It's an article in the Express I saw, but it did amuse me. Um, what they're saying is that the colour of your front door should be certain colours in order to maximise its appeal. And there is some truth in the fact that you know, when you look at the way the market works these days, most of us, when we're searching for property, we find those properties, first of all, by looking at a picture on Rightmove or Zoopla. Now, when we look, what do we see? We see the house and the front door. So the front door can be key to its appeal. And if it's shabby or maybe a particularly gaudy color, it may put buyers off. However, this is what they found. A new study conducted by window and door retailer SafeStyle has unveiled that houses with red front doors can increase a property price by approximately 36%. Now, of course, before everyone emails me and says that's ridiculous, Ken, of course it's ridiculous, but I do agree that a good coloured front door can make a difference. I'm not sure about the colour of red personally. This is because they can make homes look extremely welcoming as well as add a bright pop of colour to the front of the property. I think that's right. I think if you've got a house that's particularly dull, then a nice bright front door can make a difference. The research also found that home buyers will pay more for houses with a grey front door too. 
well grey is the new beige isn't it um and they say approximately 20 percent more than average the experts noted there do appear to be some regional differences newcastle likes houses with sage green doors so do i actually something about a sage green front door for me it always looks quite classy and they prove to be the most lucrative meanwhile in liverpool houses with navy blue front doors prove to sell for more in leeds gray and in cardiff black i'm not sure there's much correlation between the two but i do think you know the presentation of your house from the outside can make a massive difference to its appeal inside now, Finland is offering a, a blueprint for UK's rental crisis, according to the Daily Telegraph. There's an interesting article because, of course, we've had rent controls in Scotland and um, we'll see what's happening there. But largely what seems to be happening is landlords are taking flight by the bucket load, causing an even bigger rental crisis. Finland, writing in the Telegraph, Melissa Lawford discusses how Finland can offer a blueprint for solving the UK's rental crisis. She notes that following the collapse of the Soviet Union, the Finnish government lifted rent controls for new contracts in 1993 and then all contracts in 95. As a result, the number of rental properties in Finland jumped by 45 percent, with economists now viewing the country as having one of the most liberal rental markets in the world. They said landlords and rental housing companies had to develop loyalty programs so their tenants would stay. They had to upgrade their services because there was competition. He adds that Finnish house building boom has been key with a number of completed dwellings surging to double the amount from 96 to 2002. It comes as prices of renting across the UK are rapidly rising as the supply of rented property shrinks and the cost of maintaining a property let climbs. This crisis has prompted Nicola Sturgeon to announce a temporary ban on rent rises. Um, but it's not going to help. In actual fact, it will have exactly the opposite effect. And interestingly, the government over here has noted that Michael Gove has said that um, it's not something that they will do in the UK. Allegedly, we'll see. You never know because they say one thing and do another, don't they? There's a rise in first time buyers who will be paying off their mortgage into retirement. I mean, some of these mortgages now go on for so long, don't they? But it's the only way young people can afford to get on the market. You know, I always say a lot of people say, oh, you know, it's not like it was in our day when interest rates were 15 percent and it, we struggled. But the truth is, when interest rates were 15 percent, house prices were a fraction of where they are now. So even though interest rates aren't as high, young people are struggling just as much. In fact, I would argue more than ever, it's really hard for young people to get on. So it's no surprise then that new mortgages are longer. And this is an article in The Telegraph, and it says that 17% of all new mortgages taken out in December were for terms of 35 years or more. And that's almost double last February's rate when it was just 9% of home loans. Overall, around 50% of mortgage loans are now taken out for terms of 30 years or more, compared with just 9% in 2005. Halifax says the average age of a first-time buyer is now 32 and even older in London, meaning many borrowers are now on course to still be paying off their home loans into their 60s or even 70s. A spokesman for UK Finance described scratching out mortgage terms as a relatively low-risk option for borrowers to increase their borrowing potential. He added it does, however, limit the ability of borrowers to save in other areas, for example, their pensions for a longer period, while they're still paying off their mortgage. Well, of course, that's true, you know, but by the same token, if it gets you into the market, then the theory is and the hope is, of course, that by getting into the market, then the situation is improved for you because you have that capital growth. Now, in 2022, 34% of first time buyers had a mortgage and 32% were selling with a mortgage. 24% were a cash investor and 10% were buy to let. But what's interesting to me about the numbers is this. 50% of homeowners in the UK have no mortgage at all. So what's interesting about that 
is that, of course, that means that there's no impact for those people in rising rates in terms of their homes. It actually has a positive impact for many of those people, especially those retired that are relying on savings because when interest rates go up, so savings rates go up. So that's another interesting equation that feeds into the narrative of what will happen with the house prices next. I always say when it comes to house prices, they'll never cease to surprise. When you look at the pandemic and how everybody said prices were going to fall off a cliff, they never did. And I suspect that this time around, we're looking at a similar situation where People will talk about doom and gloom as they did uh, post pandemic. And then the demand will still be there and the supply will still be there, but both will be in much lower numbers. So what we suspect is we're in for a flat year ahead. No particular rises in house prices. Flats could fall a little because of the fact that there will be more supply because buy to let investors have tended to invest in those flats. Plus, with a cladding scandal, many of the buildings that have been clad are getting to the end of the point where they can now be resold because they have the required safety certificates. And I suspect the buy-to-let investors that have been caught out with those and had to spend many tens of thousands to put them right, because it's not always the case that the government has been able to fund those, although I know they'll argue they did. They have not. Many, many borrowers have been stuck with huge debts. And when you place those huge debts on top of the fact that interest rates have gone up so much, many previously very viable buy-to-let situations find themselves unviable, even when increasing the payments by increasing the rent. So uh, buy-to-let's in for a torrid year, no doubt. Uh, We're going to see a large exit in the market there. And what it needs is incentivizing, as in Finland. But I don't see that happening anytime soon. I think that governments will, or our government, will have to wake up and smell the coffee. And that doesn't look like it's happening anytime soon. So as usual, thanks for listening. Sorry, it's been a while since my last podcast. Uh, we've been so busy here in the office of one thing and another. It's the first time I've had a chance to sit down. But if you do enjoy it, I'd really love to hear from you. It's really helpful to hear and be encouraged. And do pop onto iTunes or your provider and give us a review. It encourages us to do more for you. So thanks very much for listening. I hope you have a great week. I'll try and make it here next week at the beginning of April and tell you how the housing market is responding to the busiest time of year. Take care of yourselves and if you can, your family and friends. And remember, where there's a will, make sure you're in it. Ciao. Thank you so much for joining us on yet another edition of the Property Buyer and Sellers podcast. You can find out more at our website, jamesalexander.com. You can email me directly, ken at jamesalexander.com. We are estate agents and we can give you hints, tips, tricks and advice wherever you're buying, selling, moving to or from. Thanks to Ben Sounds for the intro and outro today and thanks to Jack Bowles for production.